This is Beyond the Bin. I'm Shabazz Sufi. And I'm Abby Marsh. And this is the podcast for real conversations about the future of the waste industry and what we can do together to protect the environment and strengthen our local communities. Here's some food for thought. The United States is the global leader in food waste, with Americans discarding nearly 40 million tons of food every year. That's a crazy stat. I mean, I can't even sort of put that into physical, visualize that physical amount of Well, I saw your mouth drop (laughs) when I said it. So, I mean, it's insane. That's a ton of food. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's wild. You know, the the other piece there's, you know, 40 million tons of food that goes to waste every year. And then the other piece is that, you know, it's it translates to basically 40 percent of food produced in the U.S. doesn't get eaten. Right. And that's not just because of food that goes to waste in our refrigerators. There's also this whole sort of hidden side of food waste that we don't see. Uh, at home, that's happening way before food ever even gets to our refrigerators. Um, And, you know, that's happening at manufacturers, it's happening at uh, food distributors, it's happening at the grocery stores. And, uh, you know, so when we talk about food production, and we talk about the distribution of food, we talk about grocery stores, that's, you know, we're talking about hundreds of these sorts of operations around the country. And so, that adds up. That's, you know, that's also a huge element to the food that doesn't get eaten in this country. So, you know, that's, that's a huge problem. And, you know, we're joined today by Mike Casella, market area manager at Casella Waste. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about a solution that he's working on to be one cog in the greater, you know, scheme of solutions for dealing with this incredible amount of food waste. Yeah, and and I think we need to we need to think about how how do we take waste and repurpose it and reuse it because it's not really waste. I think a lot of the times we classify things as waste, but a lot of the times things can be repurposed and reused. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the piece here for us is that, you know, as we were talking with Mike, we, you know, we didn't even plan this episode, but we had this discussion with Mike and we we figured that this is actually a really important discussion that we wanted to bring to our listeners. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, recycling and reuse and, um, you know, eventually all the way at the bottom of that hierarchy is disposal, this element here around food waste is is hugely a part of it, right? Just because food goes bad or gets spoiled doesn't necessarily mean we have to default to it being uh, going to disposal, right? We've talked about composting uh, in our uh, podcast before. And when we talk about, you know, the solution that Mike's going to talk to us about helps us sort of take food waste and keep it um, away from that disposal part of of the food, of the waste hierarchy, right? So we talk about, you know, first you want to reduce and then there's reuse and repair and um, you know, you work your way down and you, you know, there's recycling and eventually you get all the way down to disposal. And I think the really cool uh, element here about the technology and solution that Mike is putting together in, in the Vermont area is that this is where, you know, food waste does meet recycling. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also where, you know, you can think of even where like reuse and repurposing meets recycling um, because there's, you know, as, as Abby mentioned, it's about how we classify things as waste, but also it's 
you know, what we do with the things that go spoiled can turn what we consider as waste into something that has resource value. You know, there's a there's a huge opportunity here um, to to address this challenge, right? And you know what Mike is working on in Vermont is just you know it's one it's one cog cog in the greater cogs of solutions for um, you know addressing food waste um, and being able to find uh, new purposes, right, for things that are going spoiled because ultimately, if if it's past the point in which it's appropriate for people to uh, for us to be ingesting it. And we need to be able to do something with the value there because right. there's value um, in in so many different ways that, that we often aren't really aware of, right, with right. things that go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I'm just excited to share this conversation with our listeners and um, learn more about Mike's future depackaging facility. Abby and I have heard a little bit about the DPAC facility that you're working on in Vermont. And, you know, if you could just sort of talk to us about that project, what DPAC is and um, depackaging is, is the, is the term, right? If you can talk to us about the project that's happening up, uh, up there in Vermont, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're in the process right now of uh, actually, you know, the tanks came in yesterday and we're under construction up in uh, obviously Wellston, Vermont, right in our little complex where we have the hauling company, the transfer, and uh, now a deep facility where we're going to be taking in uh, food product that has uh, been packaged or even has other contaminants in it. And what we can do is pretty much separate the food product from that packaging and either recycle or send that packaging to a landfill, recycle as much as we possibly can. And then the food product can either go to a digester or it can go to a compost facility. Or uh, a third option is actually for uh, animal feed if you can get it to a clean enough spec that animals would be able to consume that product. And can I, let's, let's, take it back one step what's the what's the role of depackaging in terms of like you know where in the consumer product um are you getting that material right the i don't know whether it's maybe it's a yogurt container or something like that uh, so, where in that process do you get it yeah i think for me it's almost very similar to any any type of process that you put in place to kind of capture whatever value you can from the streams and not send it to a disposal site. So really what we're looking at is anything that has, you know, food product, we can actually handle that product. So the, the equipment that we're putting in place actually uh, is able to separate the food from packaging. It can separate other items too down the road that we may look at. I mean, we're looking at it saying, hey, if we have consumers out there and we have large manufacturers that are that have off-spec product, we really want to figure out how to help them with their sustainability goals in the sense of how do we take that product that they have, whether it be, you know, a soda can or a milk carton or uh, a yogurt container, anything that's got food and it has packaging in it, we can take and separate the packaging from the food and almost any type of product. It's really being able to separate out different types of products to get, you know, different streams. And then what processing technologies do you employ on the back end to process them even more? 
So it's really geared towards large manufacturers at this point in time of getting those off-spec products. But then we can take in other organics. So if you had residential organics, you could run that through this process as well. Oh, wow. Can you kind of like talk about how it cleans those materials out? Yep. So we, we've actually decided to go with the uh, Scott turbo separator. And if, if you can kind of imagine, it's a, it's a hopper fed uh, large drum. So basically inside this, if you look at a large cylinder circle, there's a, a vertical shaft that goes inside of it and it rotates at a really low speed. And there's screens on the inside of that uh, shaft and inside the shaft and inside the container, there's that shaft that has uh, hammers on them. And basically that rotates and separates the the packaging from the food and you add liquid to the stream depending on what you have for a product i mean some products if it's a soda product they don't need to have uh, liquid added but say you had peanut butter containers basically you're adding water to clean the food residual Mm. off of that packaging and as that shaft rotates with the hammers on it it separates the product that product the food product goes through those screens as like a liquid slurry and then the packages come out another conveyor belt um, into uh, a container that you then can process more send to recycling or send to uh, disposal outlets thanks for explaining that mike um yeah so i think you know you mentioned um you know, we talk about food, a lot of this food is going to be, or, you know, packaged products, it's going to be coming as a result of sort of, is it manufacturing defects, right? Just to clarify. Yeah, to, to clarify, yeah, it's it's 100% from you know, manufacturing defects, or if they had a product that, you know, didn't meet their spec, uh, that's where that we would come in and handle that material. So if you can imagine a large manufacturer, I mean, their main goal, right? That's a, that's a cost for them. So I think a lot of the big manufacturers, they really do have it down to a science, but when you're talking in such large volumes of, uh, when you're manufacturing, right, if they're manufacturing a a million pieces of some product and you have a 1% contamination rate, right? You have quite a bit of uh, product that you need to find a, a higher and better use for. So that's where we come into play where they're actually able to repurpose that product and send it to us. And we can actually take uh, the food product from that and turn it into a, a valuable resource for them. Oh, that, that makes a ton of sense, Mike. So you've mentioned a bunch of partnerships. Can you kind of like talk about the importance of partnerships and how we need them in order to make this a, a success? Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's always been looking at, you know, trying to find those partners that are really, really good at what they do. And I mean, I think we have, you know, obviously the, the customer partners where we're working with them to say, hey, how can we improve our process and capture more recyclables so that you can um, show what you're doing with your your product. And then on the back end, these partners from uh, Purpose Energy, you know, let, letting them really build the, the digester and, and manage that process so that they have the expertise in that. So we've partnered with uh, multiple uh, companies as we're trying to build and and optimize this thing. Some of the neat things that we're we're still working through is right instead of using liquid uh, and adding it into our system, we're actually going to take back and reclaim some of 
uh, the liquid from the actual digester to use that as our liquid when we're pumping it into the system so that we're not using fresh water. We're using that, that water that normally would have gone to the wastewater treatment plant, kind of closing that circle to, to recirculating that water so that we're not using more resources. So I think finding partners and, and finding what you can do is really important because, you know, there's a lot of expertise out there and just trying to, you know, work with your partners and saying, Hey, what can you do and what can we do with this? And kind of sitting down at a table and saying, well, this may work or that may work. But as you, as you kind of start brainstorming, a a lot of good things do come out of that process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just, we really can't do this without our partners. It's, it's so important to have them involved in just sharing um, expertise and feedback back and forth just makes it that much better. I absolutely love that, uh, Mike, that, you know, with, with the partner, on the anaerobic digestion side, being able to, you know, reuse that water in the, in the depackaging system, right? Because there's just, that begins to, you know, begin to, begins to close a loop there, right? From the environmental sustainability lens. Yeah. And I think that's where working with our, our end sites and, and customers too becomes really important as well. Cause I, I think sometimes as, you know, as a waste company, right, we get in the mindset of, you know, we, we need to move the material quickly and, uh, efficiently. And I think when you really sit down and talk with your partners and say, Hey, I may be able to do this. Let's, you know, test it on a small scale and, and start to, you know, develop, uh, processes and technologies around that work for them and us and work from the economic side as well. That's where, really where you have those successes. And I think that the reason that I'm so, uh, looking forward to the DPAC is it, it came out of a need from a customer, right? So it was a, a customer mm-hmm. and a partner of ours that, you know, they had a product that was coming out and, you know, 89% of that product was, was a coffee, right? So it had some packaging with, with coffee inside of that, that pod. And basically they installed throughout all their facilities to actually uh, process that on site to take out the coffee from, uh, the pod, which then uh, helped reduce their cost, increase their recycling uh, percentages. And and now the next piece is how do you process that, that pod even more? And I think that's where, you know, the technology can come in and looking at certain streams with your, your, your customers and saying, Hey, maybe I can do something different with this. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Mike for, for bringing it back to, to what got this started. I'm glad to hear that, you know, you were able to weave that in uh, really cool to see that you know, it was a customer's uh, sort of position and, and, and sort of what they're doing that sort of got us, you know, into this and, and building this new facility. Absolutely. Um, Mike, can you kind of share with us like your future vision for food waste collection and um, just um, how you see it evolving over the years? Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing from it's a it's a costly proposition right now, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of costs in the system, and as as technology improves and and processes improve, I mean, the the real goal is, I mean, I'm more in the the trucking and hauling side of the business, and you know, when I'm looking at things, I always look at you know, you know, the driver, the labor, the fuel, the insurance. There's there's a lot of costs when you're handling material. So, how do you how do you look at that stream as a value and how do you find a good value for that stream? So, I mean, when you're talking about organics right now, I mean, you can compost it, you can take it to a digester, you can take it to all these, these different outlets, but there is a cost at that, 
at the end of that stream as well. So is there higher and better uses that you can start looking at, whether it be animal feed and breaking into that market or, you know, what other technologies are out there to actually really turn that into a valuable stream so that you can hopefully offset some of that trucking and handling costs Mm -hmm. uh, to make it more economical for the, the customers. I mean, we're currently, we've been hauling food waste since 1999. And I think one of the, the, the largest challenges that I see in it is, you know, you're picking up different material and it's never the same product. So when you look at the manufacturing side, right, you're getting a more consistent product that you can handle every day. If you go to a soda manufacturer, right, you, you know, you're getting aluminum cans with soda. Um, but when you're talking about picking up compost like we do up in the Chittenden County area, you could be going to a couple different universities and depending on what university you go to and what specials they're running in their cafeteria, you could get a bunch of salsa and chips because they're doing, you know, a taco day. And then you go over to the other side and they're doing hamburgers and fries, you know, so just the different types of products that you're getting sometimes can be challenging from a, a handling and composting standpoint as to, the variability of the product that you're actually getting where it's not consistent on a day-to-day basis. But I think that's where technology will help kind of evaluate, Hey, where, where are the streams that we should be going after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And, and that goes to the same thing with, you know, the, the liquid product that we're actually bringing to the digester, right? I think we're, we're working with a couple of the universities up here to try to determine you know, what's the highest and best use, right? So if you can imagine, right, the digester is really trying to produce gas so they can produce electricity. So what is, what's that right mix, right, of material and, and BOD that you can actually send to the digester that produces more gas and optimizes that system as well so that there's economic benefits for, for obviously the hauling side of the business, but also the digester so that they're running at a, a more efficient rate. And if you give them a better product, then they can produce more power. So I think that's another piece that really kind of factors into this is how do we make a blend that really works well for, for their system and, and keeping in mind your partners to say, Hey, if I can make them more efficient, uh, hopefully that that has an economic value to, to myself as well. So that we're all sharing in that, in that value of, uh, creating more power. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, Mike. It's really cool to to hear how all of these things tie together in the like academic world. They call it like the food, water, and energy nexus, right? And so we're really right in the center of all that, which is really cool. And it's it's just really cool to see how much the the partnerships play a role here, and uh, that you know, as these linkages happen, it sort of just begins to bring more and more opportunity to to really a lot of different players uh, in, in the area. Absolutely. I think the other thing, too, that's kind of fun for me with food waste and some of the packaging, too, is just to kind of throw this out there as another thought is, you know, once you have that material out the back end, that that package product, and say you're, you're coming from a manufacturer, like I said, you know, aluminum cans, obviously, right. There's really great markets out there for it. But as you get new packaging products in there that are different types of plastic, uh, a lot of the recycling market is really built on volume. So if you have volume, then you can figure out solutions around that material because you have enough volume to make uh, the economics work. 
And I think for me, that's going to be the fun part is as you start taking in certain products from manufacturers, can you put more processing uh, equipment in to actually clean that stream up even more and send it to end markets where it's a valuable product. So that's another neat, neat piece of this uh, project as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's, you know, a really awesome uh, insight there and uh, opportunity that that's, you know, going to be exciting. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, Mike, and kind of talking us through um, your new DPAC facility. When is that actually going to be? When are you planning to have it ready? So we're, we're planning to have it up and operational in, in January. Um, we're, you know, the tanks are going in, the floor is built, the, the roof is on, we're putting up the siding right now, and uh, the machine comes in right around Thanksgiving. So hopefully uh, with weather, weather dependent and, you know, any other construction issues that we may run into, we're, we're hoping that we'll have it up and running and operational early January. Wow, that, that's really exciting. Um, when it's up and running, you're going to have to, Shabazz and I are going to have to take a trip up to visit you to get a tour. Yeah, we'd love to have you. I mean, I think it's going to be yeah. pretty pretty neat project and really excited about just the opportunity to kind of uh, bring something new to the market and, and share with our customers what we're able to do with this uh, technology. Absolutely. Sweet. Great. Well, thanks, Mike. This was great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So, Shabazz, what did you think of the conversation with Mike? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really interesting the way that he introduced depackaging technology to us and, you know, explained to us how depackaging helps us to capture both recyclable material and food waste and organic material and helps us to get those two different materials into their highest and best possible use, right, with recyclable material going into recycling streams, and then with food waste and organic material ending up at, you know, outlets like anaerobic digestion, which, similar to compost, brings that food waste and organic material into a closed-loop system. Yeah, no, it was definitely a very interesting conversation with Mike, and I, I learned a lot. And I think one key takeaway is that we all need to take responsibility for our waste. I mean, we have to do that on the residential side in terms of households and also as well as the manufacturing and business side. And um, everyone just has to play their part. And technolo- technologies like DPAC um, can definitely help. Yeah, 100%, Abby. Totally agree. And I think you summed that up really well. So thank you everyone for listening and we hope that you will check out our next episode.